Hey family, welcome to the final episode of Rise Up With Jazz, the podcast for the healing woman. I hope that you all have enjoyed the black male interviews uh, this season. As you know, my motivation was to highlight the black man in a positive light. And I am closing out with my favorite interview. I'm super excited to interview my dad. And, you know, I remember as a little girl, my dad being in radio. So this is kind of a little dream come true for uh, both of us to be uh, on this platform together. So I'm just super excited for you guys to hear the rich knowledge uh, and the experience of my dad, uh, Billy Taylor. Uh, back in his baseball days, he was known as BT Express, uh, former athlete, advocate of black empowerment. Can't tell you how many black enriching stories I heard growing up. And so I think this was the perfect close to this season. Dad, say hi to my audience. Hello, audience. How you doing? <laughs> so um, we're going to just chit chat. We're going to have a conversation. That was kind of my idea uh, was to have a conversation with my dad. And, and we were actually talking right before we hit record, kind of just figuring out the angle of this interview. And in the midst of us chit chatting, it came to me what I really wanted to talk about. And I said, questions I never got to ask my dad. And he said, now that would be a good one. <laughs> so we're going to talk about questions I never got to ask my dad and, uh, you know, my audience. I pray that you, you know, just receive all the goodness and all the authenticity out of this conversation. Ladies, uh, you know, if you've never got to sit down and, and ask your dad certain questions, hopefully I'll ask some of the things that have been on your heart as well. So, Dad, uh, you grew up here in San Diego, California, where we live and a little black boy in the inner city came from a two-parent home. Uh, you know, played sports, baseball, football. That's, that's a common story of, of black boys growing up in the inner city. What kind of things did you dream about? You grew up in the 60s, really, born in the 50s, but you kind of grew up in the 60s, 70s. What kind of things did you dream about as a boy? Yeah, well... Starting uh, being uh, born in 1955, mm -hmm. and uh, it took about 10 years to that realization in terms of having dreams of uh, future and positive positivity. It, it literally came from uh, probably our heroes as, as athletes. So, you know, you looked at different games, different sports, and you'd dream about being that person, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, it was other little intermix positive episodes in your life you may go back on and have a dream about but for the most part you know when you dream about good things positive things back then it was being you know part of your heroes lives and which were you know different type of athletes who who was your number one like athletes you looked up to back then well when it came to different sports i mean uh you know it was different but uh if you looked at uh overall athlete probably generally started out with uh, Muhammad Ali because uh, during that time uh, when he first started boxing wasn't on television it was on radio oh wow and uh, my father used to uh, go over to a specific friend's house just to listen to these boxing matches and he was older than my father 
But we used to go there and we used to listen to boxing matches on the radio. And uh, Muhammad Ali was the first one I recognized as being a black, famous hero type of image, mm-hmm. black man. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, radio telecasts, I mean, you know, they were so direct. You can, and, and they, I mean, you can see the color in it, you know, and they feed you the information. And actually, it made you a better student of the fight because you're using your imagination. I'm mm. asking my father questions, and it, you know, it was uh, it was uh, uh, a good learning time. Really, after I see where boxing and and how uh, radio and television have came today. Mm-hmm. With when it comes to sports, that was like the highlight of your childhood growing up during the '60s and '70s. And just really quick to touch on, like, the climate of what we're experiencing here in America, you know, seeing the racial injustice. But, you know, now it's beyond radio. We see it on TV. We see it on social media. It's in our faces every day. Um, Talk about just some of the things that you might have experienced as a young black boy growing up in terms of racial tension, racism, the kind of stuff. Like, I know you went to Catholic school. Talk about maybe what you experienced as a black boy in Catholic school. Well, you know, with uh, my experience is rather unique and uh, unique because it was flexible. Flexible in the word of I was I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood, Mm -hmm. but I went to a school at the time that was predominantly white. And then it had, of course, a large percentage of uh, Mexicans and uh, Filipinos and uh, blacks were, you know, we're probably, we were probably at the bottom percentage wise in terms of uh, uh, numbers, Mm -hmm. but it was a pretty mixed environment. So as a young kid, because I went to school in a parochial school, St. Jude's Academy. So it's a Catholic school. And uh, it was uh, uh, rather flexible in the the different cultures that I was uh, brought up with at a young age. And like I said, I, experienced, uh, you know, the, you know, of course, you know, you know, the white kids uh, sense of thinking versus the Mexicans and the Filipinos. But uh, that time is when I, I, I realized racism, but I didn't know what it was, but I, I realized we were being treated different mm-hmm. from other kids. And then at the same time, I'm looking at these people, which they considered priests and nuns, uh, you know, they spoke of peace, love, and equality, but I can just see at times just the natural senses of these people and the anger that would come out of them for things that black kids would do would be just the same as the other kids would do, mm-hmm. but black kids seemed like they would get punished more harshly. Mm-hmm. And so I was recognizing that as a little kid, but still not understanding, you know, what it meant. Mm-hmm. But when it got beyond that point is in the high school is when then I pretty much uh, understood racism because by this time, as I told you, heroes when I was 10 years old was athletes. But by the time I got into high school, because we really as black people at that time really wasn't uh, introduced to black leadership in terms of uh, politicians and uh, lawmakers and professionals of that sense. But my first hero came due to the fact that my brother, which was six years older than me, he uh, started uh, at San Diego State and was the president of the BSU. 
But prior to that, we all, uh, when he was in high school, uh, we had organizations, the Black Panther, the Us Organization, the Muslims. And so they always used to give us par paraphernalia in our communities. And, and he would bring them home and, and, you know, he'd read them to me. And he was giving me uh, uh, education on how the different theories of these different groups, how they thought mm -hmm. about, you know, black people, how they thought about our living society of, uh, of that time. He was schooling you? Yes. And <laughs> uh, so then now I'm in high school. And uh, I seem to uh, become uh, accustomed to the thinking of, of Malcolm X. Mm. And I listened about, um, I listened, uh, you know, a lot of Malcolm, read about him. But then I started putting his, 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 his teachings in parallel with reality. Hmm. And then I started sensing what racism became. And that started in high school. But by the time I got to college, yeah. college is a different essence because mm -hmm. there was money involved now big money involved so racism picked up mm -hmm. and uh that's when i i really uh came to the conclusion that you know we were in a society that was going to definitely be a challenge for black people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh and like i said i sensed it at an early age and figured it out you know, we were different and we were going to be treated different exactly what do you think um Knowing after having that, gaining that knowledge, like, wow, I'm living in a world that's going to clearly treat me different. I'm probably going to have to work harder for the things that the next man is working towards. I'm going to have to work harder than the next man because this, the, the color of my skin. Uh, what do you think are some important things, black family related? What do you think are some good things to instill into black kids living in this society well, to empower them. Right. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that particular term because that was one of the terms that many black men in my father's era would uh, dictate to their sons. Mm -hmm. And that was one of them that always baffled me. And that was one I, took, I take, take today as a challenge. He always said, son, you're going to have to work three times as hard mm. to achieve what the white man has achieved are close to. Mm -hmm. And so I always thought to myself, why would that be so? If I got to sit down at the same classroom, right. learn the same rhetoric, get the same grades, and, and, you know, and just do all the right things you're supposed to do to get through your educational prowess and dwell into society. But then when you get them goals, you perform them goals and accomplish them goals. Why must things be different from one person to another? And it came down to why would it have to be different from a white man to a black man? So I never thought that was fair, not only to the person himself, because look what it's taken out of you to achieve something three times over where mm -hmm. another man can do it once and continue his life. Mm -hmm. So always... Uh, came to the conclusion that wasn't going to be me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a work hard. I'm going to prove myself and be accomplishing, but I'm not going to kill myself to prove to another culture, race or man three times over when he already knows what I can do. So you're taking away from yourself. Right. That other energy and effort can go somewhere else in your life. Amen. Amen. I know just even my experience as a black woman, I had a friend of mine, she's a black woman, and she said when she, her mom told her at a very young age, you were born with two, 
two strikes against you. One, you're black, and two, you're female. And I just think it's interesting as black people, we have to have different conversations at our dinner table with our children than people of other cultures. You know what I mean? We have to prepare them for what life is going to, how, how the world's going to treat them. And what ways has being a black man made you stronger? Well, number one is the stereotype that is implemented on black children as, as being inferior in terms of education, being smart. And my thing was proving yourself in terms of the stereotypes that you are not that person. We are not that people. So I always comp competed with them in the classroom, not to only prove to myself, but prove to kids my age and around me that we can do the same thing they can do. Mm -hmm. And once I realized I can do the same thing they can do, and I know I deserve and earn that positivity from it, I learned that everybody ain't gonna give you that positivity and pat you on the back. But as long as you know you did it and you have it, mm -hmm. you just move on with that positivity and that confidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Working hard always builds confidence. And honestly, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks when you already know the truth. So you've been able to be very successful when it comes to one of the major areas where the black family has fallen apart, which is marriage. You've been married how many years? Almost 30? Almost 30 no, years. No, I, I, I've been married. Is it, is it, oh, okay, 30. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's get it right. Yeah. So you've been married 30 years. You have two adult daughters. You have how many granddaughters? Four granddaughters. What is something that you um, think that women misunderstand about black men? Mm. That's a good one, huh? Yes, because uh, <laughs> it can come at you on so many angles. One thing. So many subject matters. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I, you know, I, I've looked at how black relationships in terms of black men and black women mm -hmm. from a generation stimulating from my parents. And being that during that time, uh, we used to have a lot of, uh, my parents, should I say, had a lot of, uh, uh, family gatherings, mm. you know, weekly friends over, and you know, their husband and wives. Because it's so funny to me how you know, dude. I mean, maybe because in our little circle, it seemed like everybody was married mm -hmm. and everybody had a kid. Mm -hmm. So we, I grew up in that type of a black environment in terms of uh, the stereotype of having a mother and father and the white picket fence and mm. all that good materialistic uh, value, but. Uh, uh, it, you know, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was humbling to come up that way because, but then at the same time, I grew up with kids that didn't have it. Right. And I played with them, went, you know, went to school with them, played ball with them and stuff like that. So, uh, my thing was back then, I never tried to feel that I was better than the next, the next kid. Mm -hmm. And I didn't recognize, maybe I did have more, but you know, I shared when I could, you know, mm -hmm. and I never want nobody to think that I was better than them. And the thing about it, I always was the kind of person, I guess, I, you know, I was quiet. I'm always listening and checking things out. So going back to these adults, these black adults, 
and I seen how their wives and hun- husbands uh, uh, deal with each other, mm-hmm. and 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 love is, I see is it, is <laughs> love an opportunity. Mm. Is is a is is a is tough. Did it go hand in hand back then? Yeah, because you, you can saw? see, I can see the couples that really loved each other. Mm-hmm. Then I can see the couples that was together because it was more or less a business venture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you get these type of relationships, that uh, lingers onto the, the children of the family. Because if you got a real loving family, you know, kids are going to actually be loved and mm-hmm. go learn how to have that sense mm-hmm. but uh, families that are built on business and opportunity and he because i remember it always you know black women always used to say yeah you gotta have a good job and a, and, 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 and and some good insurance mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so if he had that right then half of him was cool you know mm-hmm. so then the and so that, and that meant know, to her that she was going to be taken care of yes and that's where it comes in where it affects families and raising mm-hmm. kids and then, you know, I've seen the abusive side of families from both sides. I mm-hmm. mean, men maybe physically and then women maybe monetarily, mm-hmm. you know. Or emotionally, and, uh, manipulative. And, yeah, and things of that nature. So uh, uh, being having this relationship, when it got to me understanding women, uh, it was it was kind of simple. When you think you have someone you're ready to have a relationship with, it's the time consuming and you that time got to be quality. You got to spend time with people mm-hmm. before you get to a form of commitment and understand people. And when you can grow genuine in terms of how you feel about each other, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's real. Mm-hmm. And when it's real, then it can be productive. And that's the thing about our our people have to go through so many different stressful obstacles. Mm-hmm. So by the time you come to a relationship, you got to implement a lot of these other things outside of what love really stands for. Mm-hmm. But if you can find true love by looking at the simple things in life, you know, and going back to having girls and a question about what would every father say mm-hmm. to a girl? Mm-hmm. Well, me. That was next. I was going to ask you that. But what does every dad want their daughter to know? That <laughs> you don't need a man to be successful in this life. Hmm. Once a woman, excuse me, a woman can achieve her goals to become independent. That means I can care for myself. I can get all the materialistic values I want myself. So once you can have that, you have confidence. But when you look at a partner, you have to look at them in a genuine measures. Mm-hmm. Someone that is realistic about goals. Someone that don't look at you mm-hmm. based on them values. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you got to learn about each other and it takes time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it, people always want to rush important scenarios and that's a very important scenario in your life mm-hmm. when you commit yourself to one mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. but the key is is being able to learn each other as much as you can from all different avenues of livelihood while you're together then you would know you'll come to the right conclusion mm-hmm. i think too as a woman when you can take care of yourself then you won't be looking for the outside you won't be looking for that in a partner because you know that you are self-sufficient mm-hmm. so then like you say you can look for 
the more meaningful things in a relationship, like communication, companionship, those kinds of things. It's not like you're looking for somebody to meet a need for you because you can stand alone and that person can add to your life rather than filling a void in your life. That's been my experience with um, when it comes to relationships. So, yeah, you answered my question before I got to ask it. Uh, what does every dad want their daughter to know? That self-sufficiency is uh, key. What would you consider in life from sports to being an advocate in black empowerment, being married for 30 years? What would you consider your greatest achievement in life to this point? Baby. I named a few of them for you, actually. <laughs> well, I named a few of them well, that, for you. Well, that 30 year one goes at the top, I tell you. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I I don't I honestly I think I might know one other couple that's been married 30 years. Mm-hmm. Most people I know have been divorced. I've been divorced. I they've been divorced or married twice, married three times and to be committed to one person for 30 years, that's a huge achievement and it's something that I feel is missing in our community being able to have those examples of longevity and love. So kudos to you, Dad. 30 years down, how many more to go? 30? As long as I can uh, continue uh, surviving the life cycle. <laughs> exactly. What motto, what is your life motto? You mentioned Muhammad Ali being someone you looked up to, Malcolm X being someone you looked to. Uh, what is the motto, your life motto? Well, actually, it's uh, being proud of who you are. And being proud of who you are is not only yourself, but, you know, learning your history, who we are as a people, mm-hmm. will generate natural pride because that's what we haven't been taught. We haven't been taught to be proud of what we have achieved as people. So I being agree. pride is definitely number one. And, what, and, and where to gain that pride is from knowledge. You gain that, you gain knowledge broadens your pride and then it's just being a realist beyond them two subjects matters if you're a proud knowledgeable man be a realist beyond that point being a realist is directing the truth to your your siblings your grandkids Mm -hmm. you know it's being fundamentally true to the purpose Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's being pride Knowledge, being real. keeping it real, keeping it real because we like to keep it real here on the Rise Up with Jazz podcast. Thank you, Dad, for chit chatting with me. That was quick, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, what was, else? What else you got for me? You got any closing the, yeah, remarks? Yeah, a little really for women itself, especially young women, okay. in terms of uh, how they look at themselves. You know, in terms of today's society, because they haven't been given the the opportunity and the privilege to be considered a beautiful mm. insignia in our country. But we got to learn as black people that who we are as a people. And that's where our knowledge and beauty stand. We got to be proud of that. So black women have to learn how to find pride and respect for themselves. Because if you don't respect yourself, when it mm-hmm. comes to relationship in men, men aren't going to respect you. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when you allow a man to disrespect you, you take away not only from yourself, but it takes away from your uh, 
your sense in the community of who you are and what mm-hmm. you are. But you got to make sure that you look in the mirror and know that you're somebody and you're proud to be somebody. And if you're not, you make yourself that. And that's by being knowledgeable, maintaining that pride. But the main thing is don't get caught up because that's what girls do. They get caught up with these boys and these young men that's going to tell you all the right things. But they ain't even in the position Mm -hmm. to love you or to do anything for you. You do for yourself first. Get that position in life where you're comfortable within yourself, not knowing that you need a man. Don't get in competition with a man because I say, due to time, a real brother will come along and you'll know it. He's going to respect you for who you are, not for what you look like and what you got. Hey, that's word from Pops, y'all. Respect yourself. And the moment you allow disrespect is the moment that everything goes downhill because the disrespect will continue if you allow it one time. Thank you so much, Dad. Questions I never got to ask you. Thank you for instilling me and my audience with that daddy love. Rise with Jazz family, make sure you share this episode with your friends. Uh, we will be back for a season three very soon. But before we do, I will be sharing the lessons I learned from season two from this conversation with my dad and the interviews that took place before this. I took some really good notes throughout this season. And so I'm going to be sharing that with you all in the closing episode. As for now, take care, take charge and continue to rise up with jazz into your greater self. I'll see you next time, family.